You are tuned into a very special edition of Pusher Mania's podcast here on the Pusher Mania Network. This is a big week for me because for years I've been bumping this particular album entitled No One Can Do It Better since literally I was maybe, I think I was 17 the year it came out. And back in the day, man, to be honest, when records came out, it was a big, big deal when they when they hit as hard as this one. And No One Can Do It Better was is one of the biggest classics in my collection today. It's one of the albums I go back to from 1989 to this day and still listen to at least every month or two. Literally, it's just something I always am kind of digging in the craze for. And today, I cannot believe it, in celebration of his homecoming concert this Saturday night in Dallas at the Bomb Factory, we've got the DOC on the line. What's up, Doc? Hey, what's going on, brother? I'm very, very glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Man, it's so great to talk to you. Now, are you in Dallas right now? Yeah, I'm in Dallas. I'm at uh, uh, at a radio station about to do some uh, some interviews for the show on Saturday. Man, it's really exciting, dude. Because at we don't have, I don't want to do the same interview everybody does, but we do have to give a little bit of history and talk a little bit about what happened with you. <laughs> but when I say um, I loved your first album, I mean I really truly remember. I'm I'm. I'm 43 years old right now. I was 17 when that album came out, dude. I remember the day. I remember the record store I went to. I remember picking it up. I remember putting it in in the car. Because I just remember the, the first hearing it's funky enough and saying, I'm like, and being an NWA fan, I was like, oh, I got to go get right. this immediately. Right. And like, I literally, like, there's only a couple records that I remember exactly when and where I was when I bought that album. That's very cool, man. That's super cool. And. Then it was only what six seven months later that you were in the wreck. You had it wasn't accident? even six months, bro. It was four and a half months later. Four and a half months later, we get the news that literally, I mean, one of the things about your voice is it's powerful. You know, like you have a yeah. powerful voice, man. And it was less than six four and a half months later, we found out you were in a, a car accident where thank God you lived. But in that accident, it crushed your larynx. Well, what happened was. <clears throat> Is that when doctors, when they're doing emergency uh, 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 response, mm-hmm. and they try and they try to put those tubes down your throat, I was uh, conscious, but I had I had drugs and I had so much alcohol in my system they couldn't sedate me. Mm-hmm. So I was fighting them, and so when they was trying to train me or put the tube down my throat, they just shoved. You know, they they shoved the shoved it through the vocal cords and just sort of dislodged one, pushed it out of the way, so to speak. Right. Um, and I went back to uh, uh, to get uh, surgery to have some of the scar tissue removed mm-hmm. to expedite the healing process. And when the scar tissue removed was removed, the surgeon that did it removed too much scar tissue. So from that day forward, the left vocal cord was 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 never going to be able to reach the right one ever again. Hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, something's going on on the inside that allows them to touch now. And miracles happen, you know. Right. So I'm not questioning anything. I'm just working with what God has given me. And, uh, and and taking this as a platform and moving forward to try to build something special. Right. 
No, I mean, this is huge. This is huge for me and for a lot of real hip-hop fans out there that are just, I mean, we're really excited just to have you back personally, man. Like, I would have loved to have been seeing you in concert every year for the last 20, man, for real. Yeah, me too. Yeah. No, please, you can cuss. It's all good. Okay. Now, you've stayed busy, though. You've stayed busy since yeah. then. I mean, you've worked with a lot of artists, and, and we know, you know, people who know know that you were behind the scenes on a lot of the biggest productions from Dr. Dre and NWA and, and that whole camp. Yes. Was that mostly as a writer? Well, I do whatever it is that needs to be done. Right. You know, I just uh, I facilitate uh, uh, production. It's really my ears. My pen is great, but, I'm, but my ears are better. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how I know but when it when it's working, I know it. Mm-hmm. So if I tell you that's it, you need to ride with that. You know what I mean? Right, right. If if, if I tell you a chicken is different snuff, you better check under his feather for the cane. Can you dig it? Yes. Well, man, to be honest, that's that's interesting because I know for one, Dallas has always been kind of a focused market on people. Like if if it hit in Dallas, people knew that they could take it somewhere else. I mean, is that? Do you is that a fair statement about Dallas? You think? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I, when, when I when I left Dallas, I you know I stayed gone. You yeah. know, so I'm not sure exactly uh, how true that is. But I think if it, like Russell Simmons says, if you can take a hit, and uh, if you got a real hit, you can throw it out the window and it'll. And it'll succeed. So if you got a great record, I think at, at some point if you push it hard enough, it's gonna work. You know, for sure. No matter where it plays. Yeah. Well, can you tell me a little bit about those early days in Dallas? Because I remember the Feel the Fresh crew, and I also remember, and I was a kid then, but I didn't actually put two and two together when you first came out with No One Can Do It Better. You had an L.A. Kings hat on, and we're down with N.W.A. I assumed you were West Coast, and didn't even realize, didn't even put it together that you were with Feel the Fresh Crew. And now, was there a big connection between L.A. and Dallas? I, I was one of the members of Feel the Fresh Crew was down at World Class Wrecking Crew as well, right? Yeah, that, that was the connection. Dr. Rock. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Rock was the connection uh, between L.A. without him. You know, it, it, it probably it really would have never happened. He knew those guys. And so he reached out to... Dr. Dre and had him come down and work with the Peter Fresh crew on uh, some early stuff. And that's how Dre and I first met. And uh, Dre says, uh, told me that he thought that I was really an exceptional, uh, talented person. And if I were in LA, he thought that we would be rich. And uh, I tried to get him to. Uh, I, I said, I wanted to talk it over with my guys. He said, that he wasn't talking about the other guys. He was just talking about me. Mm-hmm. So so I just, I had to let it go on uh, the first go around. But about seven, eight months later, my family tried to get me to go to the United States Army mm-hmm. because I had dropped out of school and I didn't want to go to the Army. So I reached out to Dre to see if he still thought that we could deal together. And he said, yes. So I just left Dallas, went to LA. At that time, what did Dre already have out? What did what what made you trust him in that way? Well, because I had heard his production right. uh, skill set. 
what made me really like Dre's production is that when he did record, even when it was in the studio, it, it sounded like it was already on the radio. Mm-hmm. You know, just the quality, the sound quality. And so that's what I chased after. I, I love the quality of his sound. And I knew if I put my voice with that sound, what it could be like. Right. And then he ended up coming up. <clears throat> you guys went on to form a whole new sound and, and really spark off the whole West Coast sound in hip-hop. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, God is a guilty thing, you know. Right. Um, he put he put all the pieces together, and we worked as a team. All, them, all the NWA guys brought something special to the table, myself included. And we took about seven, eight months and made three uh, classics. Yeah. Right. Coming from Dallas, I mean, Feel the Fresh Crew would obviously you'd say would probably be more classic hip hop influence, like an East Coast influence at that time. Or was yeah, there even I, really I, it wasn't really even West Coast sound at that time, was there? Yeah, that's what made me attracted to those West Coast guys when I first got there. Because I was super lyrically inclined and they weren't. Mm-hmm. So I brought that to their mixture. So that uh, you know, it just it, it can be clever, great songs, not just uh, raps about violence or gang stuff, but it can be cleverly written, really nice songs. And I'm a student of the East Coast, like I'm an I'm an East Coast uh, kid, like uh, Run and, and Slick Rick and KRS-One, and and all these guys raised me, so. Uh, when I went to L.A., my whole mission in life was just to be as good as Rakim. Right. Well, you know, when I listen to that album and a lot of Dre's early production, you know who I hear? I hear. I feel like I hear some Ultra Magnetic MCs influence in there. <laughs> yeah, you probably, you probably do. You know, Dre's a student of all that old sound, you know. Yep. If you, hear, if you hear, listen to Boys in the Hood, you can hear craft work. Yep, yep. But if you listen to your album, I hear like when I listen to Critical Beatdown and No One Can Do It Better, I hear like that same kind of manic, really, you know, flow, really powerful voices and strong, you know, crazy lyrics, but just really delivered in like a real rapid, not not fast rapid fire, but just like a really, just harder than than most. Yeah, I get it. I get it, bro. I was pretty good. I I was pretty good at it. Right. And manipulating the samples and stuff, too. When you uh, oh, thank you very much. No, I love no man. This this is big right here for me, man. When you back then though, coming from Dallas, like why? Why was there? I mean, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times by Texas people, but like, why was there such an LA imagery to you coming out? Like, I had no idea you were from Dallas when you first came out, and I was in Houston. Well, when when I first came out, Dallas didn't really have a huge scene, right? <clears throat> and uh. I was a part of this thing out on the West Coast. Right. You know, when NWA and Eazy's records came out, those guys made a concerned effort to let me know that I wasn't a part of the group. Mm-hmm. And, and that made me feel a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me feel a little... Uh, uh, well, I, let's just say that it bothered me. It's mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, so 
before I went to L.A., I was just Doc T. But when the back thing happened, when after we finished their records, uh, in the end, they were trying to make me feel like I wasn't a part of it. The periods that were in N.W.A., I took those same periods and put them in my name. Mm-hmm. That's when I really became the D.O.C. to try to tie myself to that movement, to try to tie myself to it, because it's, it felt like they were trying to uh, keep me from being tied to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they they all wore L.A. Raiders stuff. So I started wearing L.A. King stuff just to tie myself to that movement. Mm-hmm. Had nothing to do with where I was from or where, where my loyalties were or where my energies were. If you if you really listen to the songs, I say it over and over again that I'm from the South, that I'm from the Lone Star State. All of these words are in the songs, but I just don't say that I'm from West Dallas, Oak Cliff, and or uh, where Dallas Cowboy. But my heart has always been in Dallas, and I've always represented them at least on the streets in California as best I could. Man, for sure, for sure. Did you uh, <clears throat> did you have any contemporaries in Dallas when you were coming up? Like just in those early days, was was Feel the Fresh Crew pretty much it? That was Feel the Fresh Crew. It was Nemesis. That right. was uh, uh, Muddy Waters. There was a lot of guys around back then. You know what I mean? Uh, and they were all good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I was uh. But I was great, you know. I mean, it is what it is. Like, I was, I had a gift at this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, words, words and rhythm, it was just natural to me. Right. Um, but there was a lot of groups back then, and, and a lot of them now, that are good and were good. Apples, and Erica, Erica used to be Apple. She would uh, rap with uh, TJ. I forget the girl who made TJ something. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was, it was a lot of groups, guys and girls. Man, do you think it's still, I mean, obviously it worked for you. Like, I, I feel like we went through a period of time in Texas where, you know, we had a lot of eyes on, on Houston especially and some of the Dallas groups got through. But it seems to me like to really make it and really get the longevity in this business, it is a good idea to move to L.A. or New York. Do you think that's still the case? I think that that, 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 that may have been the case, but I don't like that. I don't yeah. want that. You know what I mean? Like, uh. There needs to be a new case. And so that that's what I'm fighting for right now. I live in L.A. right now because I can't do it here from home. I don't have the wherewithal. I don't have the, 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 the financial backing and uh, the sponsorship that it takes to make these things happen on my own for these kids. Mm-hmm. But but I'm reaching out to people because a lot of money is big money. Big oil money. Yeah. Big Dallas Cowboys football money. You know, big Maverick money. So these kids have something to say, and it's worth listening to. And they're not just inner city black kids. They're white kids. I mean, hell, I found Justice in Garland. Mm-hmm. And took him to L.A., you know. Right. I found 6'2", found 6'2", and Fort Worth and took him to L.A. Man. You know, there's there's a thousand of them around here. But if if you don't give them an avenue... Um, then they're going to leave here, you know. Right. And so to keep them here, we have to really work at it, you know. I want to make Dallas a hub, like like Austin is a hub 
for great music because we're ready for it and we have everything in place to make it happen. I think Dallas has changed for the better in, in recent years as far as arts and music and all that stuff's concerned, too. I mean, there's really a lot going on in your city right now. Absolutely. So I, I just want to help facilitate that movement so that, like I said, I want to bring Hollywood to the hood. Man, I want to hear all those 6-2 recordings, too. 6-2 is dope. He's one of the great ones. Really dope. Uh, can you give us an idea of what we're going to see Saturday night at the Bomb Factory? I'm going to take you through uh, every stage of my vocal transformation. Mm-hmm. I'm going. I'm going to do a medley of all the old "No One Can Do a Better" records. Okay. And I'm going to give you some of the uh, the Hells and Skills and Deuce records. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to end the night with two brand new songs that I recorded with this new voice. Dope. Dope. Anybody else performing? I know DJ. I mean, uh, Low Down Loretta Brown. I know, yeah, Erica's going to DJ. I think Nay Rocker's sister's performing. Oh, she's I great. think uh, Justice and ADD are performing. Wonderful. Uh, and there's a, a young lady. Her name is Lady Savage. She's from my old neighborhood that I was born and raised in. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's making a lot of noise around this city, although I'm, I haven't heard her yet. I want to give her an opportunity to, to, to hit that stage that night. Oh, great. Yeah, that's exciting, man. There's a lot of artists and people that are real excited for this show, and I, I'm definitely excited for it, and I'm excited to hear that ADD will be on there. That's the family for sure. And that definitely shining stars out of Dallas. So that, that's oh, yeah. interesting. And uh, what's the red carpet, though? They're talking about there's a red carpet and everything. What's going down? Well, this whole night is getting shot. I'm shooting this. Uh, I started working on a documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, about two, three months ago, just started the movie, and the response to the movie prompted people to start asking me about my story. Right. They want to know about your story. So I'm going to shoot this documentary to lay out that story. And if that story turns into a, a movie or a biopic or, or a series or whatever, so be it. Uh, but I'm going to put the story out there. So this thing. Saturday night is the beginning of that documentary. I'm telling everything. And so I want the people of Dallas to go walk that red carpet with some of these major athletes mm-hmm. and some of these stars. I want everybody in Dallas to get their shine on mm-hmm. and get interviewed and get their picture taken and be filmed walking on that carpet. So, guy uh, that's too old to be wearing them pimp clothes to walk in to bring his pimp ass on out. You know what I mean? And, and get it shining off. I want the the the, the, the little um, uh, the young girl that thinks she want to be Kim Kardashian to put her thing on and come walk out. You know, if you're in Dallas and you want to be seen, I want you to be seen. Man, no doubt. I think you're gonna get people coming from. I'm coming up from Austin. I think you're gonna get people that's coming awesome. from all over. That's awesome, man! Wow, that's dope. Man, this is much. This is highly anticipated. Now, did you? Wow, that's cool as shit. Now, the movie definitely helped. You know, the movie I was actually surprised at how I thought I knew it would be big, <clears throat> and and it'd be good. But I had, <clears throat> excuse me, I really did not expect Straight Outta Compton to to blow up as big as it did. That's a that's, this is like one of the biggest movies of the year. I knew it was going to be a big movie, bro. Yeah, I knew it was going to be a big movie because you're talking about an iconic movement. 
Right. That movement changed the whole direction of hip hop. That that movement, I mean, that movie is the is sort of the blueprint of where of what many about what it is today, mm-hmm. for good or for bad, you know. Right. And so it was very it was a romantic version of what really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew it was going to be a good deal. And you feel good about it. I support that movie one thousand percent. Is it a hundred percent accurate? No. Okay. Um, but uh, it's a portrayal of me. Uh, am I pleased with it? Like people keep asking me that question, and as if they want me to say a trash something about that movie, and I just don't have any hate like that in me. It was was that an accurate portrayal of me? I don't know. In some in some ways, yes, but. It right. didn't show any of the work that I did, you know. It didn't show any of the moves I made, or you know, which is fine with me because, it's, like I like I told you before, in the early days, they they did a lot to to make me feel like I wasn't a part of the group. So mm-hmm. I think that that's that's the mindset that they had when they were writing this movie. Even though I was involved, I'm not really a part of the group, so they didn't really have to tell my story, which is cool because. That left me roaming up to tell my story myself. Word, no doubt. What tripped me out the most was watching the uh, first Republican de- uh, national debate, and there was a commercial on the Republican debate for Straight Out of Compton the week before it came out. That was dope. Oh, I wish I'd have seen that. That would have been awesome. It made me think a lot, though, about that audience. You know, thinking about, like, who's, you know, the 40 year olds of America who were 17, That's- 18 when that stuff came out. That's right. That's right. And, and that, we're just that was a smart white kids at the time. Yeah. And now they're high-powered people and probably in some really powerful positions. Yeah. That was a smart move. And I, but I, it's a smart move that I didn't expect at all. It came way out of left field to me. But it was, it was good. Yeah, it was good. Well, man, I know you're out doing a lot of press. You're out promoting this show Saturday night. The Bomb Factory in Dallas, Texas is going down. I'll be out there. Like you said, uh, DJ Lowdown, Loretta Brown, a.k.a. Erica Badu, will be a part of this event. Her sister, Rock, Justice. Definitely get a chance to finally see Justice. And uh, would you say Justice is your next, the next big project for you? I, I'm not sure exactly what Trey wants to do. Okay. She and Justice are, are still trying to figure that out. Right. And so I'm just the guy that helped to facilitate the connection. Uh, um, and so it, there's business still to be done on that front. But uh, I would say that uh, either some justice is about to be on tour with Dre all over Europe. So I don't know what they're doing. Okay. Well, if people want to keep up with what you're doing and want to keep up with the progress of your documentary, or and you know they might not be able to get out to Dallas this sun, this Saturday night. Is there any uh, website or contact info or any any? What's the best place online for the doc? Like I'm on like uh, at, at at West Coast Doc all capital letters mm-hmm. on Twitter. Right. I talk to people all the time on that thing. Like that, it trips people out because if you talk to me, I'm gonna talk back. That's just my nature. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic, man. I think, like I said, a lot of people have been waiting and wondering about you, man. And we're definitely happy to hear that you're back. We're excited to see you on Saturday night and uh, wish you nothing but the best, man. Definitely excited to hear this new music. Thank you so much, my brother. God bless you and thank you very much.
Man, God bless you too. Be safe out there. And like I said, Saturday night, Dallas and the whole the whole Texas, man. If you can get out there, the Bomb Factory right there in downtown Dallas, it's going to be a legendary performance. The first in 20 years from the DOC, yeah, man, one of our time. one of our real Texas legends. I've been trying to tell people that right now. I'm like, man, people don't know you were you were you and the Ghetto Boys. I mean, as far as breaking out of here, I mean, you were before the Ghetto Boys, as far as breaking out. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit, yeah. For sure. No, I mean, but people need to know you, you were one of the real pioneers of Texas rap. And nobody thank here is going to forget so about that. No doubt. Thank you. No, thank, thank you, so much, you, man. Bro. All right, we'll see you Saturday. And uh, keep tuning in here to Pusher Mania's podcast on the Pusher Mania Podcast Network. Peace.